Hello, I'm Dr. Amalia Gondas Malka. Welcome to Womanity Woman in Unity, the show that celebrates women's milestone achievements in their struggle for liberation, self emancipation, human rights, democracy, and much more. Joining us today is Dr. Bernadette Schunker, who is with the School of Mechanical, Industrial and Aeronautical Engineering at the University of the Witwatersrand, where she heads up the industrial engineering stream. This is our last show in a series on women in engineering. Welcome to the show, Dr. Schunker. Thank you so much, Amalia. Um, feel privileged to be here. The School of Mechanical, Industrial and Aeronautical Engineering is structured to supply a solid grounding in fundamental engineering science with an emphasis on generalized problem-solving skills. Engineering is cited as, as one of the four STEM subjects that contribute towards innovation and development. Please, can you tell us about some of the responsibilities that you hold in, in your position? Okay, as you've mentioned, um, I head up the industrial engineering stream, which means I'm responsible for curriculum um, development um, and management within that stream. Um, I'm also the postgraduate coordinator, so I manage our postgraduate cohort and um, sort of the, the admission of postgrads, um, examinations, all of that. I do have a wonderful um, postgraduate officer, Taboho, and she, um, I, I keep on threatening that um, she's going to take things over, but she, she shies away from that. Um, um, also, um, so graduate studies committee at a faculty level on the on the curriculum committee at the school level on the management committee at a school level so yeah i i, I think i wear quite a few different hats you do sound very very involved <laughs> Research is such an important aspect of universities as, as one of their core outputs. Can you tell us about some of your core research focuses? Okay, so I completed my PhD in supply chain risk management in small and medium enterprises. And I always seem to have this, um, this attraction to the underdog. <laughs> Um, and SMEs tend to be a little bit of the underdogs in the economy. Um, so um, I, I generally do not do research or promote that. I, my students come, students come to me with topics. And if I'm interested in that topic, I say, right, let's go and explore this and, 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 and um, sort of develop it into a research project. And I find that the students are have their fingers on the pulse of things. So when, and most of our postgraduate students are in industry. So when students come, they'll come with something that industry is grappling with. And then we'll say, okay, how can we formulate this and let's look at it um, you know, from a research perspective. So I've had students from the banks and the engineers working in banking, and we've looked at digitization and fin, the um, fintech in that, or else I've had students who, I've had some of my fourth years who, um, well, one of my fourth years last year that I was really impressed with, he, he and his brother run his own chicken farm. 
um, Artin and Pumalanga. So we looked at how we could apply industrial engineering tools and techniques to improving um, his chicken farm and how it was working. And he spoke to all the chicken farmers in that area. Um, what are the problems they're experiencing? So it's just so exciting. And also with, with energy, the energy crisis locally and around the world, I've got a PhD where we're looking at the hydrogen supply chain. Um, so it's looking at industrial engineering applied in numerous different contexts. Um, so that's 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 what interests me. I'm, I'm, I, I tend to have a, a, an attention deficit, whereas I need lots to, to sort of keep me stimulated and interested. It sounds like a fascinating field and one which has got a really meaningful impact on day-to-day mm. -day activities, particularly on the SME sector, which is such a, a vital yes. part of our economy. Mm. Well, it's strange enough, I've just um, had a meeting prior to this with a potential PhD student, and I'm going to supervise her. Um, she's looking at contract SMEs, um, that get brought into big, fast-moving consumer good companies um, when the consumer good companies don't have the capacity for production. So they contract SMEs um, to do some of the work for them. And we're going to then be looking at developing a framework to assist these, these SMEs in being sustainable in, in these kind of roles. So, um, yeah, the SMEs are fascinating. And when I did my interviews for my PhD, it was just wonderful seeing how these SMME owner managers manage their company, how they treat their staff, they treat their staff like they know everything about their staff and the staff have been there for decades. Um, so, you know, and, I, I think I interviewed them after the 2014 strikes in the steel industry and just how they manage and how loyal their staff is, are to them and, you know, how they 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 like the daddies or the mommies there that, that, that take care of their staff. So I just thoroughly enjoyed talking to them. We'd sit for hours talking and they'd offered me lunch and I, I dragged... Um, some of my students along with me, so they they did some projects as well with that. So my fourth year students. And just as a sidebar, I mean, this is really talking about entrepreneurship and mm. the dynamics of having your own business and that independence. Mm. What would you say are what would you say are, are some of the the benefits of of being an entrepreneur that you observed from the people that participated in your research? Well. I think it's that you've got the freedom to apply your knowledge and also you're learning all the time. Um, and you also are able to apply ideas that maybe you've got. And if you're working for in a bigger company, you might not be able to do that. Um, strange enough, one of my master's students, he's under examination now, um, he did um, looked at young tech um, entrepreneurs and he interviewed 10 of them. And um, it's just fascinating how these young people, some of them not, without even qualifications, just a matric, um, are passionate about certain things. And you can now, 
you know, um, sort of explore your passion and 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 take it to to potential customers, and you know your ideas about technology or and how it should be applied and used within the economy or, you know. So, I don't know. I'm just always so amazed at young people of today, the young people of this country. That's why I have so much hope for this country because I see these young people um, doing these things. And in doing these things, we know that we have a, a major challenge on unemployment. That figure just keeps getting higher and higher. Yeah, yeah. What do you think we could do to? stimulate people to take on more entrepreneurial positions or not positions, but go and start businesses themselves? Well, out of this research is the key thing is finance. And I think that, you know, as when we look at anything, um, any research or any um, sort of interviews done with people that are trying to get businesses off the ground, especially small businesses, that's financing. Um, and it's, it's maybe looking at, I know the training, I know the Vitz Business School does a lot of entrepreneurship training. We actually have an entrepreneurship course for our fourth year industrial engineers, and they come up with new products and look at ways of marketing them. Um, and it's really just giving, there's a certain amount of freedom that a person who's going to be an entrepreneur and it's a type of person not we're not all entrepreneurs and perhaps that's also realizing that maybe you need to identify people with that entrepreneurial spirit and that entrepreneurial mindset and maybe people that are not entrepreneurs need to partner with these people where they do perhaps the more sort of they might be better at the admin side or the, you know, that kind of thing. But it, it's sort of creating like these clusters of support around entrepreneurial people and people with those kind of mindsets because it's, it's a very unique mindset I've discovered. I think those are great points. Thanks for, for sharing some of your views. Mm. When I look at your profile, as well as that of, of many of mm. our guests, education has been a, a mm. prerequisite to, to help them advance. Mm. Can you share some of your perspectives on the role of education? Um, it's vitally important. And I think my dad um, sort of in, you know, sort of ensured that we were um, orientated towards always pursuing education. Um, he came from quite a poor immigrant background and worked on the mines, but he got his, his bachelor's in engineering and, you know, all of us kids, he certainly ensured and encouraged us to, to get an education. But I think an education is, you know, I've read it's an equalizer to a certain extent. And it brings, it, it opens doors for you. It opens your mindset. It opens the way in which you see the world. It shows you different perspectives. Um, and, to, and it gives you confidence that you can go out and be, um, you know, you can literally choose where you want to go actually with education. And if you are continually educating yourself, 
you have a dynamicism in your career. And, you know, I've worked in banking. I've, I've, I've worked at Eskom for a very short period of time. Um, I've worked in education. And it's just a matter of ensuring there's a certain dynamicism to your career through what you've been educated with and through your pursuit of, of education, even if it's a postgraduate diploma or a, 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 you know, a, a certain certificate in something, but that continuing striving for, for, for more knowledge that underpins your skills, your development of your skills, and it gives you self-confidence. And that's you know, the most amazing thing about education. Um, you can have conversations with with a lot of different people about a lot of different subjects. I love the attributes that you've brought out mm. and things that perhaps we don't really think about from an education point of view. Like we may think about knowledge gain, but mm. this idea of being able to steer your career path mm. and your life trajectory to mm. converse with literally anyone, to have mm. the dynamism of not being boxed and the ability to make choices. Because exactly. if you don't have education, you, you don't have a choice often. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You're fairly limited in what you are able to do and pursue. In the introduction, I spoke about STEM subjects and the impact of them being on, on and the impact of them on innovation and on mm. development. Mm. Engineering has traditionally been regarded as a male dominant field. Mm -hmm. As a woman in engineering who is now effectively developing this pipeline of, of future engineers, mm. what do you think needs to be done to encourage girls and women to participate in STEM subjects? I think it be begins at a primary school level even. And it's about exposure, number one, saying, look, women are doing these things right from a young age. I, I certainly know that because my dad was an engineer and I had three younger brothers, you know, they were always um, fiddling around with engineering type things, um, I wasn't allowed to because I was a girl. There was quite a traditional view of what the woman did, go and help your mother in the kitchen. But it's exposing um, people, young people, and, you know, the, the children are so impressionable, you know, that young children, even in grade naught, grade one, or grade two, uh, you know, the, those younger grades. And if you see somebody doing something, oh, my mom, she's always in the kitchen washing the dishes. But, oh, look at look at that person. Oh, that woman, she's, she's sitting in front of a computer and she's making that little drone fly. You know, and that makes an impression, and especially when you when you're young, and it's really about exposing children literally to to these things, and then as they grow, giving them the opportunities to explore um, these these things. You know, maybe having you know, simple labs. You don't have to have anything very sophisticated where they can play with three dimensional things. I know I used to teach. 
um, in at Mangasutu Technicon, it was the Technicon at South Mangasutu University of Technology, so, which is in the Umlazi um, township south of Durban. And a lot of the students coming in, it was difficult to perceive three dimensions, um, you know, and how that worked. And it's about exposure. Play with this block. Perhaps look at how you can build. Just give, give some blocks and pieces of wood and make something out of it. And tactile type of um, experiences with engineering things. Um, I know I used to hide in the cupboard as a child and play with the Meccano set um, because it was only for the boys. But it's just having that tactile and being able to explore and play. Play is so important. Uh, and you gain confidence through play. Oh, look what I made. Oh, you know, those kind of things. And then reinforcing that as the children grow older and giving them opportunities with simple laboratory work or simple, you know, project work. The other thing is changing mindsets. Families, moms and dads that, oh, my daughter or my son, yes, my son can go into engineering, but my daughter knows she can't get her hands dirty and she's going to get hurt, you know, if she goes into engineering. And I had to change my dad's mindset. What did you do? How did you, how did you do I that? basically just... I don't know, maybe I'm a bit hard-headed, but I did start out and I was going to do, do a BSc majoring in maths and science and I was going to probably be a teacher. But after first year, I found I was bored with the lack of variety in, in a straight BSc. And I just, I read James A. Michener's space and I wanted to become a, 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 a sort of a, a space engineer. So I just went and spoke to the people and I transferred without even really talking to my dad because it was so important to me. Okay, my dad didn't speak to me for three months, but um, he came over when he saw I could do it. I was coping with it. And it was actually quite nice having a daughter in the same um, profession or, or, you know, with the same degree. I went to the same university he went to, you know, that kind of thing. So sometimes you just need to sort of do, go ahead and do what you want to do, even if you're going to face mm -hmm. some um, backlash from family or the community or that kind of thing. What you're saying, I find really interesting because one, first of all, you were talking about the uh, how young people are impressionable. Mm. So you had probably had this impression of your father being an engineer and mm. looking what he's doing and, and liking mm. what he's doing. And yet then you have the gender stereotype dynamic mm. Mm. where he is going, no, this isn't for girls. Mm. Exactly. And, you know, sometimes it's just, you know, I never really fought with my dad. Um, I, you know, it's, it was standing up to me. And even as women in engineering, standing up to male counterparts, because they tend to be more dominant in the way that they speak. Women perhaps have a different way of communicating. Um, and, yeah, so, you know, breaking the gender stereotype, yes, it's like bursting out of a bubble. You're sitting inside a bubble and you've got to actually prick that bubble and you've got to um, sort of 
dissipate the bubble and break free of, of those perceptions and they're other people's perceptions. They're not necessarily your perceptions. So it's believing in yourself. I can do this. I was always like, okay, so other people pass my trick, so I can pass my trick. Um, other people have done this, so I can do it. You know, and why can't I do it if I want to do it? And it's, it's really just say, perhaps just having a little bit of the courage of, okay, let me go. I'm going to do this now. And believing that what you're doing is the right thing for you. So confidence, um, self-belief, courage have been some of the factors that you use to, to help overcome yeah. gender stereotypes or boundaries. And it's not that I was even a very confident person or, a, or an assertive person. I simply just believed there was something in me. It was sort of something that went in, in um, sort of retrospect. It, there was some an innate belief that this is what I needed to do and this was the right thing for me. And every time I've sort of ventured out, I went into banking. No, I came back to engineering. I went into this. No, I came back to engineering. You know, so it's, and it's maybe testing it to see if it really is what you want to do by doing something else and go, okay, I'm being reeled back in. You know, the universe is telling me something. Yep, finding finding your purpose, which is. Yes. I mean, yeah, I and it, the thing is to go and explore. You, you've got access to your smartphone. Go and do research. Go and see what other people are doing. I always, it was always this curiosity. As my mom used to says to me, Bernadette, who always needs to know and understand. So, um, you know, go and explore. Don't be held back by people's opinions of where you're supposed to be because you're a woman or whatever often younger people purely because of their their age and their experiences they haven't been exposed to a multitude of of mm -hmm. things and opportunities mm -hmm. for younger women who are contemplating a career in engineering what are some of the let's say the the career streams that they could go into that you, if you could share a few Okay, so I'm quite involved at EXA, the Engineering Council of South Africa. And um, there's three um, really sort of streams of being an, an engineer, a technologist, or a technician. And you can become a professional engineering engineer, technologist, and a professional technologist and professional technician. And you are your, your qualification is globally recognized in countries that are signatory to what we call the Washington Accord, um, which is for engineers. We have, I think, the Sydney Accord for, for um, technologists and the Dublin Accord for technicians, which means in countries that are signatories to those accords, you can go and work. So it's very good, you know, if your marks are not great, go in and you can't get entry into the um, engineering, like the Bachelor of Science or the Bachelor of Engineering, go and consider doing a Bachelor of Engineering Technology at a University of Technology. Doesn't mean you're excluded be from being an engineer if you can't make the engineering um, 
qualification or get into the university, go and do something or else go and become a technician, which is also at the universities of technologies, but also vocational training. So we are so lacking in artisans in this country, people that are tool makers, people that can do things with their hands and they support the engineers and, and, Go and do that. Go to a technical college and get a qualification. Um, that's an N6 or something like that. Um, you know, and also within engineering is obviously the built environment that surrounds that. So there's architecture, there's construction economics. Um, go and do that. Or else, be you know, be, do something on the computer side. AI is such a big thing, uh, uh, you know, artificial intelligence, machine learning. Go and do something in um, the computer side of things, com computer science, because you were going to be support supporting engineers in doing the work. So you don't have to be the engineer. You, you can be in one of the support roles that, you know, sort of the, like... Um, the rings of Saturn, you can be one of the rings that surround Saturn and support it, you know, those kind of things. There sounds like there are abundant opportunities that are they very, are. very diverse. Mm, absolutely, absolutely. You've shared some of your passion for the subject, um, as well as a few of the obstacles. Hindsight is, is 2020 vision. Mm. If you had an opportunity to redo anything, is there anything that you would change in your career? No, because whatever has happened has brought me to where I am. And um, I think sometimes you need to go through a windy road in your career because it either solidifies that you're doing the right thing and you're pursuing the right thing or else it you you it puts you on the right tangent to that um and i always say to my students they come in fourth year towards the end of fourth year ma'am i don't know which job to accept um I, you know should i be doing this because our students do get multiple offers of jobs and they're kind of confused about what job they should take and um I just say to them, whatever job, you, you know, sparks your interest at the moment, don't worry about your career. You will, you will, you know, it's going to take the first 10 years of your life to find actually what you want to do. First 10 years of your, your professional life. And if you have two years here and you don't like it, go and find something else, you know, that's going to spark your interest and, you know, keep you um, progressing in that area. So, you know, this whole thing about, oh, I've got to now plan my career. I'm, I'm not, a, I'm not a, a supporter of that. I, I kind of, because mine has been windy and, um, you know, I've, I've come to some, a place and doing things that when somebody asked me, oh, what, what do you do for, you know, what, what do you do to relax? And I go, please don't ask me that question because I feel that my, job is my vocation it's not a job it's a vocation so I'm here to support and develop the young people that come through my classes what a good place to be yeah looking so, towards the future for women 
What do you think we need to do to help build a, a more egalitarian society where there are no limits imposed on women? Well, I feel, as I've said before, it's about perceptions, um, worldviews that are held by people. Um, you know, a lot of parents perhaps haven't been exposed to, to what careers their children could have. Um, and it's really about breaking down those kind of barriers that, you know, the glass ceiling or the, the sort of um, perceptions that certain people, oh, this person can only do this and they're only allowed there and women should be in the kitchen baking and they can't be on, on, on um, oil rigs somewhere, you know, and, and some women want to do that. I don't, but some women would like to do that and be out there. Um, and the thing is, it's just women who know this is what they want to do and women who are educated and have the skills in those areas must just go and do it. It's going to be the woman, the trailblazers, the woman who simply go out and burst through those those um, those bubbles of prejudice or you know perception and that type of thing. Um, in terms of sort of helping, I think it's a question that a lot of we're grappling with in many different places. I'm currently doing some research for the Engineering Council of South Africa. And how can we support women more um, through the Engineering Council of South Africa? Um, and, you know, if you look at the figures in our faculty, there's twice as many men as there are women. But over the, the 15 years I've been in the faculty, I've seen that changing. You know, my fourth year industrial engineering class, they're more women than men. And beautiful, intelligent young women, um, who are brighter in a lot of instances than the men. Um, you know, and also my PhDs are only women and black women. My, you know, and it's, it's, it's about helping people who want to go into certain things like um, lecturing and that type of thing. Just break those barriers. Go and apply for the jobs. Because I know when I first graduated, I went for a job interviews at two prominent engineering companies. The one, the men were treated me like an object. They just said, oh, you've got such lovely blue eyes. It's like interview me. You know, I'm, I'm a graduate, so I, I didn't really want to work for them. And I went to another company where I walked into the interview and they said, why did they send me you as a woman? And I just just gritted my teeth and sat down and he interviewed me and I got offered the job. And then I said, no, I didn't want to work for a company that had those kind of stereotypes. So, you know, don't let those things, they're not about you. They're about the perceptions of other people. And if I wanted to work at the second company, I probably would have gone, okay, fine, I'll work, but I'll just set what my boundaries are. If you're going to come with that kind of attitude towards me, I'm a human being. I deserve respect. It doesn't matter that I'm a woman or a man. So treat me with respect. And often the way in which you project yourself is the way people treat you. 
And I've learned that. That's been one of the things I've learned perhaps the hard way through this because I, I have had, a, not that anybody believes me, but I have got, I am shy and, uh, you know, and that kind of thing. But, you know, it's basically saying I'm worth standing up for. Me, I'm worth standing up for myself. And, you know, don't let other people try and tell you what you are and what you can and can't do. It's only you that know. That is such a powerful lesson. Thanks for sharing, uh, particularly this aspect of other people's prejudices mm. over yes. another individual. That mm. um, it's got nothing to do with you as the individual. It's mm. it's helping them overcome their prejudices yes. against you. And like but, I did with my dad, you go and show them that you can. Yeah. It doesn't matter, man, woman, whatever. You taking, show them that you can. Taking that action. Yeah. A question that I ask all my guests on the show who've made tremendous achievements in, in their respective fields mm. is about some of the factors that they feel have contributed to their success. Sometimes people talk about discipline, hard work, values, faith. What have been some of the key drivers for you? I, I think... For me, it's been really, you know, um, I have faith and but um, and discipline. Yes, you know, it's it's how do you manage your time and all of that type of thing, so you can get things done. But it's just for me, it's saying I want to see if I can do this. Can I do this? It's something I want to do. Am I able to do it? And then you try. And then you see, yes, I can do it. And then you, you, maybe I can't. Am I really interested in doing this? And it's, it's my, my um, sort of mantra has always been, will I regret this if I don't do it or if I do do it? And that's why I wouldn't change anything in terms of my life and what my career has done because I've always asked, will I regret this if I do do it or if I don't do it? So, and then it's kind of just visualizing if you do do it, what could be the, the consequences? If I don't do it, how am I going to feel? Reflecting for a moment on your past as you were, were growing up, tell us about some of the few, some of the, the pivotal moments in your life. Um, I think the first one is standing up to my dad that I could. And that he saw that I could. Um, and, you know, I think in the end he invited me to do, he was also in education and he invited me to do some of the postgraduate lectures. Um, it's, and I don't know, I've, I've, I've got multiple sclerosis and I was diagnosed when, well, I started with it when I was 23 and I was diagnosed perhaps when I was 28. Um, and just recently, 2021, I had a relapse and now I have difficulty walking, so I have a, a disability. Um, and I've always, somebody said to me, and it is being pivotal, is you don't define yourself by your disability or your illness or, and it's the same things, don't define yourself by what people say to you. And I think that has been also a key sort of 
mantra. It's like I'm I'm disabled now, so I've declared the disability. I've told people what I need. Sometimes they've given it to me. Sometimes they haven't. Um, but I'm still doing my job. And I've still got students coming to me and I'm still teaching. I'm still doing everything, but under perhaps slightly different circumstances. And thank goodness for the pandemic. One of the good things is that we do everything. We can do a lot of things online. So it's, it's always about, I think that the, with the illness and, and realizing that I can stand up to people. And also I think realizing when I need help and what type of help I need, and finding the right people to help me. So if if you've got a problem with standing up to men, go and find a a psychologist that can help you or else um, a career counsellor that can help you. Go and find the people that can help you. And, yeah, so perhaps not pivotal, but perhaps realisations that have evolved um as as things that have made a difference in my life definitely important factors and i see this in the same way as we were talking earlier of um entrepreneurs not having access to finance it's all about finding the right resources that you need in order to fulfill your your purpose or or your next yes. step and believing in yourself, uh, I think that for me has also been one of the my key takeouts out of out of today's mm. chat. As we close out the conversation, please use this platform to share a few words of inspiration or motivation with girls and women who are listening to us on the continent. Education. If you have access to education, it is the most valuable resource you have and is to make the most of what you have access to because the minute you start on that journey of education it's a journey that will take you forward throughout your life so for me you know even if you're sitting somewhere out in the felt and you've got somebody teaching to you on a on a on a on a board that is standing on an easel Take that opportunity because you're going to learn, always learn something and use every, every opportunity and every experience as a way of learning, whether it's more about yourself or more about where, your environment. Great lessons. I have certainly learned to look at things differently through our conversation today. I really appreciate your time and thank you for joining us. No, it's been a pleasure, Amalia. And yeah, I hope that, that, and I wish everybody who's listening to this lots and lots of um, good wishes and for your career and, and for what you're going to do in your life. Because you will. You're on this earth for a purpose. Find that purpose. I echo your sentiment. Find your purpose. You have been listening to Womanity, Woman and Unity, and we have been talking to Dr. Bernadette Schunker, who heads up the industrial engineering stream in the School of Mechanical, Industrial and Aeronautical Engineering at the University of Witwatersrand.